Hey everybody, it's Amanda. Welcome or welcome back to the Park Ridge Presby podcast, the message podcast of Park Ridge Presbyterian Church in Park Ridge, Illinois. We would love for you to experience a Sunday morning with us, or you can always connect with us on social media. We are Park Ridge Presby on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We hope this message inspires your faith to make a difference for you every day. Well, hey, everybody. If you're joining us for the first time today or you've maybe been in and out a little bit this summer, we're preaching through the Gospel of John this summer in a sermon series where we're asking the question, who do you say that I am? Each week, we're hearing a new story from the Gospel of John about the life of Jesus. And we're asking ourselves this question that Jesus asks his followers, who do you say that I am? Or said another way, who is Jesus to you? Now, if you've missed any of these and you want to get caught up, you can do that on the Park Ridge Presby podcast or here on our YouTube channel where you can tune in each week for a new message from one of our pastors and a time of worship. So far, John has showed us that Jesus is the Son of God, the Son of the Father, someone who's able to act with the same authority as God the Father. And to know Jesus is to know God, to know the one who sent him. John's Gospel says that the, that the Son of Man was sent into the world not to contemn the world, but to save it. That's who Jesus is. That's who the Gospel writer John is trying to show us who Jesus is. And if our passage from last week helps us answer that question, who is Jesus, by showing us that Jesus is a healer, well then today's passage, today's story reminds us that Jesus is a host. So today's reading comes from the sixth chapter in John's Gospel, verses 1 through 14. Let's listen for God's word. So it says, After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. So Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews was near. And when he looked up and he saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for the people to eat? He said this to test him for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little bit. So one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here. He's got five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in this place, so they did. They sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. And he did the same with the fish as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told the disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So the disciples gathered them up and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left, those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this indeed is the prophet who has come in to the world. Now, 
If you have spent some time around churches, or, or maybe even not, this is a popular story in our scripture tradition. It's often called the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus is able to make just five loaves of bread and two fish somehow last enough to feed these 5,000 people who had been following him, and, and not just um, to have a little bit, to, but to be full, to have as much as they wanted, and then to have some leftover to fill 12 baskets. This feeding of the 5,000 story is, is a well-known one. Now, when Jesus saw that large crowd heading his way, he could have climbed even farther up that mountain, faced with that many people coming to find him, coming to, to need something from him, wanting something from him. He could have turned his back on them. He could have walked away. Now, isn't that what we do sometimes when we feel overwhelmed by the needs of others? When we don't feel like we have enough to offer, we often pull back into uh, a place of safety and self-preservation. We often pull away from the neediness of others, but that's not what Jesus does. Jesus sees the need of the crowd, these people who are going to need something to eat, and he isn't overwhelmed. Jesus approaches those in need. Once everything had been gathered and prepared, Jesus gives thanks for the food before them, and he starts serving them as guests. Jesus acts as any traditional Jewish host would, preparing for, giving thanks for, and serving his guests. The author of John's Gospel makes it clear that Jesus is the host of this miraculous meal keeping Jesus at the center of this story as the one who serves the crowd until everyone has had their fill. Hosting is something that I think this church, this congregation, this community tends to be pretty good at. I think about our friendly greeters on a Sunday morning. Every new person to come to our church talks about how nice everyone is. I think about our greeters. I think about our coffee volunteers who make sure the coffee is on and hot for the earliest people who show up on a Sunday morning. I think about our Memorial Day barbecue, this big block party we, sh we throw for our neighbors every year. But most of the time when I think about how we host, I think about how we host Sunday night suppers. Sunday Night Suppers is a shared community meal. It was started by the churches in Park Ridge several years ago. And right now it is hosted. It happens in our building. And we co-host that with St. Mary's Episcopal Church down the road from us. And it's fun to get to talk about Sunday Night Suppers today on the same day where we're celebrating and sending off our summer intern, Maeve Kostick, because it's through our co-hosting partnership with St. Mary's that may have came into my life and into our church community. Sunday Night Supper, since it began back in 2009, it has strived to serve its guests like Jesus would serve guests. And we do this in a few ways. We do this by preparing a dining room with, with tables and chairs, with real tablecloths and centerpieces like you might have in a banquet hall. Many groups prepare homemade meals for our guests as if they were dining in their own homes. And every night there is a moment of gratitude. We lift up our gratitude for the food that's been brought in, for the hands that have prepared it, for the hands and people that are there to serve it. And we, we give thanks to God for, for this love and grace that we all get to experience in this community. 
And Maeve's been able to have a front row seat to that for several years as a volunteer who showed up for some volunteer service hours for her high school and then just stayed. Uh, and eventually I just dubbed her our Sunday Night Supper intern uh, because she was there with me every week uh, serving and leading this team. So on Sunday nights, we want to prepare, we want to give thanks, and we want to serve like Jesus does. We want to be good hosts like Jesus is a good host. And sometimes it can feel like we're even living in the middle of this story, especially on nights when everything doesn't go according to plan. We've had nights where no volunteers show up. We've had nights when no food shows up. We had a night when no volunteers and no food showed up and I wasn't even there to help. Um, that night in particular felt like there was no way there was gonna be enough. There was gonna be nothing to serve the people who showed up to get a meal that night. But then one volunteer ran out to City Barbecue and another volunteer ran over to uh, Boston Market and the Whole Foods team started making meals out of just what had been donated that day. Uh, one of our volunteers tells this story about this hodgepodge salad they made, like four different kinds of pre-mixed salad uh, was thrown together, uh, a really eclectic variety of, of ingredients, but there was a salad then and there hadn't been before. So our volunteers just jumped into action and whatever we had to share, we did that night. Coffee was made and coffee was served and, and the volunteers visited with our guests as they waited for whatever food was going to come uh, to come to the building. You know, on nights like that, when everything falls apart, it could be really easy to believe that there isn't enough. That there isn't enough food, there isn't enough help, there, there isn't enough time. But then there is. And loaves and fishes, someone will call out, and loaves and fishes will all shrug. It's kind of this, um, this secret handshake almost between our team that's there all the time. This little uh, motto, this quote, this reassurance that we know comes from this story in Scripture that there is enough and there is a way. Loaves and fishes. So we don't always feel, we don't always trust that there's going to be enough, do we? Whether that's enough food, whether that's enough time with our family, enough money in the bank, enough certainty or clarity on, on the future, we, we don't always believe there's going to be enough. Enough for us, enough for the people we care about. And I wonder if we all are willing to ask ourselves, what's our not enough? What's that thing that we are just never trusting God is going to provide enough of? What's our not enough? You know, in this story, Philip and Andrew, the disciples that are lifted up in this story, all they could see is the not enoughs. There's not enough money. There's, there's too many people. There's just not enough to go around. But Jesus saw what there was and gave thanks. And as one preacher points out, the difference is in the thanksgiving. I think a lot about gratitude these days, daily practices of gratitude, and, and not just with Sunday night suppers, um, but, but with our next-gen ministry, with, with our parents, parents of young kids, parents of kids who are about to leave and go off to college. 
We just wrapped up this five-week book series, video series for our next-gen parents, and gratitude came up on its own as a theme every single week. It is a a practice, a way to ground ourselves in, in seasons of transition, seasons of loss, seasons of scarcity. It is gratitude that can bring us to hope. Gratitude changes your brain. Did you know that? Intentionally spending time thinking about what you are grateful for, doing this every day will change your brain chemistry. That dopamine, there's like a little dopamine released uh, when you experience that little moment of joy that comes when you're thinking about something that you are grateful for. And, And it sends a little message to your brain saying, that feels good, that was good, let's do that again. And so your brain says, that's good for us, do it again. And so gratitude, you see, changes everything. And I'm reminded of that week after week with our guests at Sunday Night Suppers. You would think, you might assume that based on on all their various challenges, their physical disabilities, their chronic illness, their language barriers, their food insecurity, that our guests, that they would have plenty of not enoughs to keep them down. But week after week, it is actually in their generosity to one another, in their generosity to us, our volunteer team, that their gratitude is is what's always in front of them. It's their appreciation for what is done that, that reminds me that God is working out something much bigger, working out something much holier every time we share a meal on Sunday nights. What is happening on the side of this mountain in our gospel story today has so much more to do with than just food. Jesus sees an opportunity to meet a physical need, but the sign this meal represents is is about so much more than food and physical needs. Jesus will go on later to explain in this section of the gospel that he is actually the bread that's being offered that he is actually the gift from God, that he is actually what's enough. If you're still trying to figure out who this Jesus is, I hope at least this story gives you confidence that it's our God who doesn't break away from our need, but enters into it. That it's our God who teaches us to give thanks in the midst of struggle. That Jesus is, in fact, our God who is always enough. Hope you'll come back with us next week for another message in this series where we can keep asking ourselves that question, who do you say that I am? Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can subscribe to this podcast or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We are at Park Ridge Presby on all platforms.